People like games. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is People Like Games. Today, I have on a very cool, very special guest. I have on the art and game director for one of my favorite games of the past year, Pode, uh, and one of the is the CEO, I believe, of Henchman and Goon. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> nice to have you on the show, Ingval. Thank you, Ahmad. Nice to be here. I have uh, been a fan of your game for quite some time. I actually ended up discovering it with my girlfriend while we were looking for co-op games to play. And on the Nintendo Switch, there are not a lot of uh, options that aren't sort of prototypical. And, uh, you know, Pode really stands out, something really unique. And I'm excited to talk about that. But do. before we do, I have to ask you, what was the last game that you were playing? Uh, I'm uh, currently actually playing Bugsnacks uh, with my son, uh, cool. which is another pretty cool game out there. Now, I have to ask, uh, is your gaming always family oriented to try to play games with, say, your son? Or do you have a separate set of games for yourself? No, I definitely have a separate set of games for myself. Uh, my kids are pretty small still, so there's a lot of stuff I don't want them to play. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I like to play uh, play a, a good variety of games. Super interesting. So now I have to say, uh, and actually a funny question that I thought of, do people that you speak to on a day-to-day -day basis have a potential misunderstanding of how much time you have to play video games as someone who runs a video game company? Oh, definitely. I think a lot of people think that I, that's all I do. I, I play games all day. Uh, and, and, and yeah, most people get pretty kind of surprised when you say that, well, you know, making games, it doesn't leave a lot of room to actually play them. So it's always hard to explain. They're like, so you must just be playing video games all the time. You're like, oh, sure. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried, I try to kind of spend half an hour in the beginning of the day, uh, just playing something just for a reason or out of curiosity but it always kind of ends up being the thing that gets cut because everything else is more important or or feels more important in the moment you know so absolutely i mean i, I always thought about that through through film and television do like directors and actors you know have the time so much to watch other people's work if you have all that work going on yeah. but then as uh i guess now we're gonna keep these questions on the tide um what would be your favorite video game series or game of all time if you have a series? Uh, that's easy. It's Myst. Um, Myst. Oh yeah, Myst. All the all the Myst games. I love them. Uh, maybe I think Riven is my favorite. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 it was I I started playing them in uh, my kind of formative years. So I guess it mm -hmm. kind of just stuck there as the, the kind of epiphany of what a video game should be. <laughs> That's what I was going to say that that's been our, our most unique answer. You know, these answers end up falling within the, say, half dozen to dozen major franchises that people are more familiar with. Yeah. Um, so then uh, what is it about then video games? I mean, this will be part of the, the convo later about the creation mode uh, that makes you prefer them to other mediums rather than, say, television or film. What about... But I love I love television and film 
as well. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a consumer of multiple media, uh, but I think <laughs> I think with games, it's just uh, you know, it's just it 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 lets you participate in, mm -hmm. in a much bigger way than most. Well, every other media, really, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I really just enjoy kind of do, doing things instead of being the backseat driver to a story and and getting to explore and and make choices. And it feels like you're kind of uh, yeah, just just being in the story. And I always loved a good mystery, so kind of solving mysteries and doing puzzles and all of that oh, stuff is just a lot of fun. That uh, that inspiration. Definitely finds itself in Poe. I, uh, <laughs> I I had some troubles with the puzzle. I, I'm not as puzzle oriented, but um, now because of the interactivity, I feel like it sort of creates for gaming a, a different subset of memories or or associations than say like movies or televisions. What would you say is sort of the most sentimental memory you have of gaming? Is it say playing Bug Snack with your son, or is it sort of discovering Mist, or is it something in between? I have a lot of good gaming memories, but I think I have, for sentimental, I would have to say, I I actually met my husband uh, playing World of Warcraft. So, oh, very cool, <laughs> very that's awesome. Uh, questing, questing in Stranglethorn Vale with my husband would be kind of the most I sentimental, would, uh, romantic thing. <laughs> it, it's a game. People don't understand. It's a gamers world. That's how. We discovered Pode, you know, like girlfriend and I were looking for co-op games to play um, that weren't, say, shooting games or, say, a bit more oriented towards um, a certain type of action adventure. Yeah. Um, and I guess now that's occurring because as gaming is becoming much more popular, we're starting to see an expansion of the type of person who would be considered a gamer maybe by definition, even if it wasn't always the case. Um, so before we now move over to some questions about Pode and, and the games that you guys are working on there, to you, what is the definition of a gamer? It's just, I think, a gamer. It's just a person who likes games and plays games. I don't think we have to be more kind of specific than that, really. It's... Yeah. Is, there, is anybody who plays or likes games? That's pretty much what we say. I think it's always worth asking, especially now with the advent of sort of mobile gaming and a more casual type of gamer, you know. Yeah. It's worth always asking. But now um, we're going to shift the combo a little bit over to Pode, which uh, came out in 2019. It is a independent uh, studio, Henchman and Goon, that you run. That was able to release this first initially for PlayStation, and then it was followed up onto the Nintendo Switch. Um, what was the inspiration behind creating the game? You know, from the initial set. So when you started, you guys sat down. Oh, it's always an evolving process. But what was the sort of two, three primary things you wanted to convey or create in a game? Uh, well, I'd, I'd had the the idea the base idea for Pode for, for quite some time already. Mm -hmm. um, but this was, we started making this after I had my my son, my first child. And one of the things that I tried to do was to kind of find games that I wanted to play with him that he could play and enjoy it, and I could enjoy them as well. Um, and that was really difficult. It was either just like 
super difficult for him to play and he'd lose interest or for me it would be kind of a, a drag and I just had to sit through a boring game because it was easy enough for him to get you know um, um, so so that was a big part of it that we wanted to make something uh, that was something that people could play together regardless of their age or knowledge of games and mm -hmm. and uh, any of that uh where you had kind of that the cooperation bit that was important for us but with the possibility of asymmetric play to make it easier mm -hmm. for players who kind of just wanted to tag along or be part of it you know mm -hmm. um so that was was uh the biggest reason why pulled ended up the way it is uh, today. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And so then now in the creation of the game, if people aren't familiar, you start as a lost son who ends up meeting what they rock. And it's a journey of sort of their evolving friendship and how they have to sort of work together using some of the different mechanics. Um, when you were constructing the game and you're putting together this sort of asymmetric co-op which that was one of the words i noticed in the gdc talk and i thought that was super interesting i haven't really heard that before um and that mechanics in particular so when you construct the puzzle you had two players and two characters with two different sets of powers that interact with the puzzle separately now how do you go about constructing a puzzle that requires both were just a singular player because it's asymmetric so you had to create sort of like a palindrome version of gaming mechanics uh oh yeah yeah well um the asymmetric bit we we kind of solved that oh sorry we solved that by uh allowing the players to switch which character they controlled mm -hmm. so there's always uh for most of the puzzle there's kind of one of them will be the main character or have kind of the main uh <clears throat> uh actions required part right in the in, yeah in the in in the puzzle and uh by allowing allowing the players to switch characters, you could always make sure that the less experienced player can do the easy parts of the puzzle. You know, mm -hmm. so that kind of solved that. And at the same right. time, you can always just stay with the characters that you the one character throughout the game, and and then the asymmetry kind of goes away, and you have a, a, an equal amount of tasks for for each player, and 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 the difficulty will be the same for each player. Um, so that kind of solved that. And uh, other than that, it was just kind of well, it was uh, testing and tweaking and testing and tweaking <laughs> and testing and tweaking and lots and lots of iterations for each puzzle. But we did have kind of a, a an overall idea of for each area of the game, which mm -hmm. uh, uh, abilities we wanted the players to get to know and to use, uh, and and how the world kind of interacted with uh, the, the abilities. Uh, so we kind of just had to find that balance of of how to not or how to make sure that it wasn't just like one character doing everything in one area and the other doing everything in another area and just kind of having that that balance of uh approximately equal amounts of uh of actions for were each you character building, 
the levels one level at a time then to be able to be like, okay, now we have an equal amount of, you know, so now we got this one done, slot it. Now we're going to go to this one. All right, slot it. Is it like piecemeal? It's a little bit back and forward. We, we kind of, uh, because we're a very small team, so we have to kind of do one thing at a time. We can't put people like all over the game. Um, but it was more like planning out, uh, but having a plan for the whole game and then going uh, in and doing more depth work on each area and seeing how that affects the overall plan and then tweaking that mm -hmm. and then going back to so a lot of back and forward and constantly kind of uh, uh making and remaking and and tweaking everything to to get that uh cohesive feel to it absolutely and then you know so i also in the gdc talk so for anyone who hasn't seen it i'll give a wonderful 2019 gdc talk which worth listening to if you want to hear a lot more about the game and dutch uh and norway history excuse me um so in, in terms of the actual aesthetic inspiration of the game, you mentioned that it was very much um, inspired by the painting and the, you know, the, the fauna of, of Norway. Now you have this design inspiration that you want to go in with it aesthetically. Did you have to overlay that on top of sort of a simplified penciled out version of these maps? Or, or are you like, okay, because we have this sort of look and feel aesthetic, we have to think our our levels around it which was visualization versus optimization which one was a little bit of both i think uh, we we did uh, we we actually didn't start out with the visual direction that we ended up going with uh but it kind of came out of having these two characters so the first thing that kind of the, the character is they've been the same since the first idea uh they're they, they've been the focus of everything from the start uh and then when we kind of landed on wanting to have it, this natural environment for these characters to mm -hmm. to grow and to uh to change as you progress th through the game yeah. uh the the transition to flowers and and uh having having flowers grow and crystals grow was kind of that that kind of just happened by itself and Absolutely. then uh, that kind of, or my love for uh, the national romantic uh, era of Norwegian yeah, art kind of came in and just like, well, this is what we need to do. Um, so, so that kind of was, it was a very, uh, uh, it, it just felt like a very natural kind of evolution happening at the same time as we were figuring out what the gameplay was going to be. Absolutely. So, so they were again. It was a bit of both, where we we knew what we had to mechanically do with each level, and and then we had to kind of consider um, how that would be affected by uh, the visuals, and and also having like for for example having the. Um, a locked camera view was mm -hmm. uh, a thing that had to happen to get the kind of flat compositions of the the, the rose painted flowers things Absolutely. to kind of work. So so it's it's been it's been back and forward there as well. But we've constantly been working to 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 make those feel like they're entwined with each other and to work together. Absolutely, and it it's it's a it's a unique product from the idea of even the game mechanics as you're talking about in the construction i remember again always saying go back to the talk just to give you shorthand so we all got to re-ask questions you've answered you talked about creating a game that didn't have any destructive elements in it and only had sort of constructive and, and, and these sort of positive elements in it that is not 
sort of fundamentally what you sort of you know with the gaming it has a bit more of a destructive personality uh in terms of the content produced do you think a game like that able to be funded and created and appreciated was more a product of norway because i know you know that air norway and the scandinavian countries have strong game development backgrounds and you know cultures as well do you think something like a constructive game with you know teamwork and asymmetric co-op do you think there's anything uniquely uh norwegian in its influence there or do you think if you had been developing this game in america do you think you would have been able to do something similar or is the market fundamentally different i don't know uh i think i think we're very lucky in norway we because we have a very strong uh, government funding organization mm-hmm. um and uh, i think that a lot of very artsy or experimental games um getting that first round of funding from the government will make mm-hmm. it easier to get uh more funding from other places mm-hmm. uh but but yeah I, i definitely think that it's easier to start making or to get to a certain point with uh an, an art heavy experimental game in mm-hmm. norway because of that because one of the guidelines of the government funding organization is to it's it's going to have kind of long it's it's from the culture uh department of culture so it's it's, it's important output. that the art and 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 cultural aspect of it is is kind of uh um it, it, it's important <laughs> yeah yeah so it's, it, it's kind of part of it because they look at the cultural artifact as well yeah so, yeah exactly it's not yeah. it's not necessarily it's it's part of it but it's not just a product Um, yeah. So they'll fund things that doesn't necessarily look like they're going to make a lot of money just because mm-hmm. it's there's value in the cultural and artistic aspect of it uh, by itself. Um, but we did we did get funding from the U.S. from an uh, uh, American venture funding company. So uh, so that was kind of halfway in. So they funded the last bit of uh, production. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So when you set out to to build it, do you have a, like a a console in mind where you guys like okay, we could do this on PC? Like is there a preference for a developer to sit there and be like okay, we're going to do this on PlayStation versus, you know, like I saw it came on the Switch, that was secondarily happened. But firstly, do you pick beforehand where you're trying to build the game? Um what well, we initially started developing for PlayStation actually. Um mm-hmm. so uh and that was that was just out of ease we already kind of had a relationship there so that was and and for us being such a small developer doing uh a, a multiple shipment would have been too much mm-hmm. so we we didn't we didn't have the team size to make uh a, a cross platform launch mm-hmm. uh at the same time um but then uh The Nintendo Switch came out actually in the middle of uh development and it just felt like this this was made for this was made for Pode, you know. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, and then we ended up going on um uh a day of the devs with mm-hmm. Pode and mm-hmm. we met with we were actually approached by Nintendo there. 
and they were kind of feeling the same thing that this was perfect for their platform so we actually ended up switching <laughs> switching platforms in the middle of development which didn't it wasn't the easiest thing to do because there because of all the growing and and uh, things happening in pod it's it's uh, it's it does it is kind of performance heavy, even if it's uh, it's not. It doesn't necessarily look like it, you know. That's, um, I was. It does look like it, you know. <laughs> it's a, it's very crisp graphic. It's very beautiful visually. It's the first striking thing that you can really tell. Then, yeah, no, no, no. So, 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 yeah, we we ended up having to do a lot of work uh, just uh, adapting everything to to the nintendo because it is it is kind of a little bit weaker hardware but yes, we it made is. it we made it work we, we did a few we had to make some compromises but it ended up uh so there's working. a lost ps4 pod version in the vault somewhere that yeah version. <laughs> there definitely is an older older version so uh yeah did you have to abandon any sort of mechanics or anything foundational or structural in the switch or did you just have to basically do the optimization requirement no it was mostly the optimization we had to we had to like there were more plants to begin with there was mm -hmm. more stuff and we kind of had to scale back but i think that ended up uh, making it better it was just kind of it just felt more crisp uh, at the end of that work so so it was all for the better i think but but yeah cutting cutting stuff that's that happens throughout anyway so 100 percent. i mean it's, it's always the, the that's why even someone would say like how did it come about and it's always hard to explain it in a sort of clean sort of condensed timeline where you're like well it was here but they got to backtrack and so exactly and this is the story um <laughs> is I'm that famous you know squiggly line that just how to make something and you see this expectation straight line and it's just like this is what it's like this <laughs> always and so actually that's that is uh gonna be fun because we've been talking about sort of the development and the mechanics now the business side because we're talking about the difficulties of this so yeah. uh i'm i'm pretty sure the average gamer is not aware of any of the actual economic uh, realities and difficulties of being an independent uh, game studio and developer. So I guess number one, what is the most difficult part as an independent studio with a smaller team to trying to break into or get the game in front of people, right? So you have this amazing, incredible product. You have this basic set of outlets and sort of gaming publication, et cetera, that you can work with. Now, how do you build an audience or momentum on top of that? Or is it literally just like that? Like, okay, go. Well, it's, I think it's really difficult because it's, it's, it's kind of, there is no one recipe for, for being noticed or for getting exposure. Uh, money is definitely part of it because you can have, I mean, if you have an enormous marketing budget, uh, you can, you can get in, uh, in front of people or getting in the right channels to get in front of the right people and, and all that stuff. And it's, it's yeah. kind of, you can always, you can always buy <laughs> You always buy my exposure yeah. yeah um but but that's that's one of the issues as an independent developer uh, and especially for us as an unknown 
fresh independent yeah. developer uh, is that it's really difficult to kind of get that funding and get enough of it and most of the funding goes straight into developing the game so you're kind of left with uh, a kind of stripped down marketing budget and trying to make plans with the little knowledge that you have and we were we were lucky enough to have a dedicated uh, marketing person on our team at the time, but that's that's kind of that was because we were able to get uh, an investor in uh, at the end there that we we were able to hire a marketing person to do all that stuff and that definitely helped us. But it's still it's it's just so difficult. Um, oh, yeah, and there, there's so many good games out there as well uh, that doesn't get noticed, and it's just kind of. I don't know. Yeah, so I was gonna like say just this, this, this discover. That's why, because I was gonna say I don't want you to have to say anything, um, you know, bad about the industry. But I would say discoverability is a major difficulty, especially when it comes to independent games um, and just I guess the massive amount that are coming in. Yeah. But another one, which I'm going to say, feel free to just plead the fifth on any of these, or just say pass <laughs> if you don't want to answer. Um, the economics of it does bring me over to a lawsuit happening in gaming uh, between Epic Games and Apple arguing over the percentage uh, that the Apple Store takes and Google Play takes from game developers. So yeah. Pode is not on mobile. Pode does not have... Is Pode coming on mobile? Uh, not as is. Uh, we don't have any plans for that, uh, but who knows what the future may bring. <laughs> Very true. So now, now they're saying, okay, now if you bring it in, you don't have these, this sort of managed cost. The lawsuit is saying basically there's a bit of a monopoly without using such strong wording. Um, do you believe that the percentage that these stores take, initially say Epic and uh, at, uh, Google for 30% on the game. And is that normalized and acceptable within the games industry or does the industry as a whole find that equally egregious? I think, I think at least most developer thinks it's, it's an unfair mm. uh, percentage. That's, that's a better um, word. Which is not at all difficult to, to, understand or explain or anything of and course. i mean any 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 monopoly is bad for any industry or and consumers as well it's not it's just not a good <laughs> it's not a good way to do well it's a good way to do business for the people who have the monopoly but not for anyone else you know exactly um and and it does definitely put a strain on on developers because it does it costs a lot of money to to make a video game even a small one even even when you have a, a tiny team it's it's in a it's it's like excruciating amounts of money yeah. that you have to find beforehand right before you mm -hmm. make any of that back or start selling anything and it's Chicken it's and uh, egg. yeah 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 and it's it's definitely one of those things that will kill a studio if you don't have a reasonable success with what you make right mm -hmm. um so so yeah i i it's i don't think it's a secret for anyone that that percentage is something that any developer or publisher would want to go down 
um, and and to a fair place. You know, it's not because they, they do provide a service. <laughs> it's we we need them to be there, but it's it's it also needs to be kind of uh, in a place where it doesn't kill off good I mean, studios yeah. and good games. Exactly, there's it's mutually beneficial, and I think um, especially in a a digital media era where there might be a little bit of excess. I think if there's multimedia showcasing going on, I guess games don't need to get a preferential treatment, but I do think they are taxed at a rate um, that is probably a bit extra. But do you think that there would be a trickle down effect of a decision like this that, you know, if Apple you know, if, if the court rules in whatever case at 30% is too high, do we see, you know, Microsoft and Nintendo and Sony change their percentages? And now suddenly we'll see an increase in the lifespan of game developers? Or is it a little bit like, okay, this is a great first step, but there's still parts of this industry and this space that are sort of, if not fundamentally broken, a little bit structurally ideal um well it's uh, i think it's again it's a little difficult to say because it's well if if the decision is that it's just the the percentage is too high and it needs to be lower that of course that that scales so that's going to affect anyone with a product but uh whatever i mean I think these things will always affect those with most money. Yeah, the, the 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 most. I think, um, and I think it's going to be if if that is if that is what what the decision comes down to, then I think it's going to be interesting to see what the response is going to be with the platforms because I don't think it's going to be just oh okay we're we're taking too much let's just. Yeah. Lower no, the percentage, and then that. it's not exactly. There's yeah. going to be, there's going to be kind of other yeah. other responses to that, I think. And and I I'm, I don't want to, I'm not going to yeah, no. uh, make up my mind about that just yet because I have yeah. no idea what what that's going to be. But uh, you know, the the question is: be would it create like a, a stronger base for independent, you know, studios and developers? Um, and like you're saying, having that much money required beforehand as an investment before you can even get the boot product, having the ability to do more uh, or to get grants from arts and culture oriented places a bit better because at least you get the initial block moving before you you know, end up having to take on the next round of funding. But I imagine always having to worry about the funding as the leader of the company sometimes cuts into being able to do the actual work that you need to be doing for the yeah. company sometimes um so then at, at, at the same time it's it's good to have it's good to have restrictions like i said mm-hmm. uh, earlier that some of the kind of harder choices we've had to make uh, for any reason often kind of has it, it it's often a good thing for the for the game Mm-hmm. Uh, because it forces you to kind of cut back on unnecessary things and make make the good stuff stronger, you know. So, so it's kind of a it's it's of course I would always love to have like all the money in the world yeah, and never have to think about it. But but I do think that art grows 
when it has uh, restrictions, I think it gets better with restrictions rather than just kind of growing wild, you know? Yeah, I think uh, adding a plus one to everything might take away from the core elements of what something has to offer. Exactly. Um, and then for, you know, then as you guys get this, you know, game out and you start building it, do you have a timeline on, say, how long you, I don't want to say support a game, or is it like, okay, we spent this much time here now, say, two years into release. If you've hit a certain benchmark, do you start shifting over to figuring out how to start developing the next game like when does the next game come into sort of the thought process even or is it like we're still here why are you asking us to do it again but better already um, <laughs> yeah i'm biggest out here so i saw that laugh you're like huh really funny uh well for us i think we we're constantly thinking about the next thing um we're, we're a bunch of very creative people and our brains are constantly running wild. So there's kind of the ideas are always there. Um, we started thinking about the next game or kind of try to figure out what it was going to be, which of those ideas we were going to develop before we launched Pod, just to have kind of something to go into and start start planning. Mm-hmm. Um uh but yeah it's things take time because we still we don't want to kind of uh leave poda behind and just uh just start doing something else we kind of we try to keep uh keep the community going and keep adding platforms and 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 just uh, see what we can do to kind of uh still keep it alive you know Um, but yeah as as the new console generation launches inspired uh any extra ideas over there or has or is the uh the basis of the art sort of console independent because i feel like once these sort of sdks come in and you guys have the option to play around with them i don't feel like it changes anything if you're already like we were already thinking this version it could let us do some things quicker but does it fundamentally give us different abilities yeah no i i don't think we're gonna make any substantial changes to poge as a game um if if anything it would be to make something new uh, mm-hmm. but we're not necessarily done with the universe i mean some i, I was gonna know. say a graphic <laughs> novel like there what does Pode mean or stand for uh, it's it's just the Norwegian word for grafting. You know, you can graft plants onto each other, so you can get a tree that has like different fruits and stuff. Oh, interesting. So that's yeah. So it's kind of it's it's from you have the 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 kind of big plant in the middle of the mountain that they're grafting stuff onto. So it's just mm-hmm. yeah. The the one that keeps up. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out one point, trying to yeah. get up, and then we looked it up, and then if you look at the actual map on it, is the map is. That was a great guide. If you press start, you can see how many levels you finish by being highlighted. But I discovered that uh, a little bit later than normal. But um, now, I guess, going on to a couple of these last questions, because I know you got to get out soon, um, and I've already taken a lot of your time. uh, But what was the single mechanic that you guys executed uh, in Pode that everybody was the most excited for so what did everyone sort of just have to bang their head on and then eventually solve i think i have an idea of what it was from your previous convo but i'm gonna let you answer it well it's 
I, it, most mostly things went pretty. I mean, there's always any mechanic or anything that you implement has has challenges, but mo most of the there, were, there was nothing nothing that wasn't kind of. We have no idea how to do this, and we just nothing need to figure it out. But yes, no. but it was. I mean, the growing or the grass specifically. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I was gonna, I, <laughs> I, was, I feel I so silly about. every time I I give that answer because it's it's like out of this whole game. It's like we we made grass grow, um, and it just but it it just like we've spent so much time just kind of testing the grass because I just have to check how it looks when I run around and just like you just run around yeah. in the grass and <laughs> twirl and dance and hide and. And stuff like that so it was that was kind of our i don't know it's, it's our kind of thing that everybody's still just like you remember that grass though when that worked <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what i said everyone look at every other mechanic and i heard you say the grass looks so fake on the other side but you can't see it because of the camera i was like Right, that makes sense. It's it's just like it's, they're flat and they're just like the 3D is painted and it's just like it's close up is really really bad. And what? we had some really silly kind of uh, glitches happening with it in the beginning. So you'll have like when you're moving in it, we had grass that was going in, kind of growing to be like six feet tall and and uh, moving oh, in every direction is a lot of fun. But when it worked, it was just it was just like oh yeah. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's what it is. It's usually the thing that's everywhere and most obvious. And you're like, oh, man, love that. <laughs> I know the exact feeling. See the big painting you see in the corner. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Um, and it was it was the same when we were testing it on people. It was everybody was just like, oh, look at the grass. though, And, and people were just like spending a lot of time running around in the grass and, and mm -hmm. just having fun playing. And that was kind of... Oh, Oh, yeah, it, it, felt, it just felt so good. <laughs> it, it would make it, like, even for myself, like, I, I was coming in from playing Hades, actually. And so the, the sort of juxtaposition of the speed of the game and the not, but the game pulls you into the pace. And I thought something like the grass, these little things end up just sort of perfectly meshing in there. Um, hilarious, the grass. Uh, <laughs> But now I'll let you go with this one final question that we do like to ask all of our guests. Um, if you could take any single book, comic, movie, novel, graphic novel, et cetera, and have it adapted into a video game, what would yours be? Mm -hmm. She usually get people more oh, of a heads up on this question, but I like to drop it on people. That is so difficult. Ah. <sighs> But we've had um, someone said Ed, Ed, and Eddie was uh, <laughs> one, one of the answers. Ed, Ed, and Eddie simulator. Um, the mayor of Miami said a civic uh, election simulator, which I was like, all right, fine. I'll let you go with that one. I don't know. I think I'd, I'd want, you know, um, the movie The Cell. The Cell? Uh, the Cell with... Um, uh, it's from it's it's pretty old. It's from like the early two thousands, I think. It's just oh, what God, is reminding What's, what's like the singer? It's she's uh, we're Jesus. Gonna we're gonna find this guy. Don't you super worry. super famous actors that I should remember the names of, but I Jennifer can't Lopez. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I think that that movie made into a game would be that would be my thing. <laughs> Very interesting. If it's Vaughn's in this movie too? 
and 90s, 2000s was a crazy time. Yep. Um, Wonderfully right, so, crazy time. <laughs> yeah, so we were actually talking about this. Our, the, the campiness of the, the visuals uh, and the over-the-topness. We were talking about Batman and Robin the other day. And I was like, yeah, it'd be funny. <laughs> but um, no, I'm just actually looking at this picture. Right? Vincent Diaporio, he's on this too. Wow. So funny how everybody has been around. There's just a movie stuff. But um, <laughs> beyond that, now for you and for Pension and Goon, um, do you guys have any new projects coming up in the near future? Are you guys just working on what you have and sort of move forward? Anything to expect? I can't talk nope. about any of it. <laughs> we'll find out maybe one day in the future, but um, yeah. maybe soon. There will be uh, some announcements, but yeah. Where can people find you, Ode, and Benjamin and Google? Um, I think we're, we're most active on Twitter. At Pode uh, Twitter? At, at Pode Game and at Henchman Goon. Uh, but we're also on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, we have a, a newsletter people can sign up to uh, oh. on our website, uh, which is podegame.com. Yeah. And so, everybody, go download Pode, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, not Steam. on mobile yet. Steam, Epic Game Store? Not yet. Steam. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, Ingle, thank you very much. Uh, I had a great time. Thank you for chatting. Um, and best of luck to you. I hope uh, if you find some time in the future to have you back on and uh, discuss whatever uh, that next project is going to be. I would absolutely love to. <laughs> Look very much forward to it. All right, Ingle, have a great right. one, and thank you again. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.